<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Field Yates. <laughs> Dave, I want to give a shout-out. And when I give a shout-out, I always laugh because it just brings me so much joy to give a shout-out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with free samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're Mm -hmm. always on the attack, but I use this, and you should too. Oh, I do, Dave, every day in our house. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is, this is me raising my hand, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill to relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure, from allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's, a, it's like a toad. It's like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle. Yeah. In my so you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I it's am. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. 
Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for having me. Look, this is... Dude, thank you for coming on, man. This is... I, I can't tell you how excited we are about this. This is... Um, it's a dream to have you on, dare I say. Say it. Wow. It's been there a There it blast. is. I knew it. Well... Ha-ha. I might have a couple more of those throughout the <laughs> I'm so ready to sprinkle throughout. You know what's funny, Field, as we're sitting here talking to you, everybody, we're just going to, we're coming in hot with Field Yates here, but it is crazy. Like, I'm having this weird Pavlovian response to your voice, and I do, it's really bothering me because I'm so used to hearing you talk, and especially, it's it's really interesting what my brain is doing right now. It's like, I, I just want to listen. I'm, I'm realizing, okay. no, we're well, actually talking. All, no, this is... Imagine how I'm feeling when I'm thinking about <laughs> you that... guys, right? Like, I'm hearing your voices. That is not what Dave normally does That is not what I do. I'm a talker. That's just, yeah. it's the way I'm wired. It's good, it's bad. It's what it is. Yeah, it's funny. I, I do love the reactions you get when you meet someone who might be a listener, a viewer, reader, whatever it might be. And it is funny that I do I do hear what you're sort of referring to quite often, Dave, where it's like, I hear you and I expect you to speak in a different way or speak faster or slower, more professional, less professional. I don't even know it. And the one that always cracks me up is if you're in a place like a bar, a brewery, a place where you are for maybe not an indefinite period of time, but long enough that you can strike up a conversation. Like you're not crossing somebody at like an airport bathroom where you're there for like 90 seconds max right. between like Right. Taking a leak and also like washing your hands. Um, it's kind of awkward anyways to, to talk in an airport bathroom. Mm. But if you're somewhere where you can have like a semi-thoughtful conversation, at the end of it, people will be like, dude, I totally did not think you'd be a good guy. I'm like, excuse me? This is, this is like, a, a good way Why is that? I'm like, man, do I come across as that smug? Like, I, I They're just like, no. And, and I think often um, you guys can relate to this, having – uh, careers and lives in the public eye that like I think there is this weird sort of bridge that's been I don't I, it's just like this this mentality sometimes that people that maybe are semi-public or very public figures don't have time for the lay human and I always laugh mm -hmm. at that I'm like you know mm -hmm. I, I may have a job that you are more familiar with than maybe my neighbor's job or, you know, my cousin's job, but you know, I'm still like, I was still raised to have manners and be polite. <laughs> and I still enjoy like human interaction that isn't just talking about whether I think, you know, some players a valuable sleeper in fantasy football or not. You're like, people are expecting you to just put cigarettes out on their forehead in the middle of conversation. <laughs> I've like... only done that like seven times. And each time I thought there was a reason to I do it. I was going to say. And that's acceptable, I think. <laughs> at, at your age, seven's fine. Yeah. I also feel like the other, the added layer there is when they hear your voice, it is coming from a, a portion of their life that A, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they already feel kind of guilty about, <laughs> right? <laughs> They yes. already so so that's in the soup right there. Also, when they hear your voice, it's often telling them the things they should have done that they feel shame about. Yeah. So there's guilt and shame come right in hot. Definitely. What a yes. cocktail Just from the top. What a cocktail yeah. to have to deal with on a daily basis in your life, feel well, just so every day. Then we pivot and talk about more normal stuff. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're talking about I don't even know what climate control or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And then right. all of a sudden it gets back to a more familial sort of just like we're all in this for the same reason type of conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so so yeah. so we've just come in hot because we're just chums, guys. We're just BFFs the three of us. Um we're but chums. I want to back up because we always so feel we always do um our brag sheet uh, to let people know a little bit more about all of our guests. So 
Field Yates is with us today, which again is just it's not not just um it's a big deal, but I mean this is we're in some pretty uh this is some rarefied air for us because this is a professional podcast. I mean this is a guy. I mean you 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 know the ways of the podcast and um and so you know we could we could slip up at any moment here, and that's what I'm I'm trying to get out in the front. I've, I've mastered that, so don't worry. I'm <laughs> Thank very you. Good. As long as you know, a lot of years, a lot of probably thousands of episodes now, and I've certainly slipped up many yeah, yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, we're all we are. Yeah, we share that. It's a uh, safe space. That's worry. we have we have yeah, yeah we have we've but had pr- we're on 115 oh. perfect episodes. Uh, okay, so a little yeah. bit about field. Here we go. Uh, graduated. Well, let's start here. I like this. Interned with the new the New England Patriots during high school and college. Which man, that is some. That's someone who knows what they want to do at a very young age. It's impressive. Graduated Wesleyan University in 2009 with a degree in psychology. So obviously uh, working at ESPN, just we, everybody sees that trajectory immediately. Uh, played football and across there. What did you play? What position there? At uh, uh, I was a safety in football. Yep. I was a defenseman in lacrosse. But honestly, and I'm not trying to be, this is not one of those appearances <laughs> where you come on and you just like downplay yeah, your yeah, accomplishments yeah. and yeah. you try to be humble. Like bad at both. Very much like a... Like end of bench player, like um, there was a moment during like my freshman and sophomore year in both sports where I kind of thought like maybe I'd break through and become like a starter on these two programs. Um, and those moments never really came to be. Um, that being said, like there were a couple of games like mop up duty was kind of my thing. Um, so yeah, but I played and, uh, you know, really the value in those was not just, you know, I obviously love those sports and I love being a part of a team, but some of my best friends in the world yeah. are my teammates yeah. from college, mm-hmm. which has been, uh, mm-hmm. the most impactful part of my college experience. Yeah. The, you know, five of my groomsmen were my five oh, best wow. friends oh, wow. during my college years. So, uh, that's been cool to have that, that, and they are all, uh, well, I think four or five of them are all dads as well. So we have all kinds of, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we, our, our conversations and the things we talk about have certainly evolved in the past I graduated college 13, 14 years yeah. ago now, so things have changed a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah that is amazing. So then, so and some would say that the trophies that you left with were the friendships that you gained. I'm going to digress. Um, okay, former member of Kansas City Chiefs coaching <laughs> staff, uh, worked in the scouting and coaching department, and also served as assistant to head coach uh, Todd Haley, which is, I mean, this is such a fascinating pedigree here. Started working so at ESPN out. in 2012. Was well, that's been a minute? I mean, you you've been there for a decade now. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah. do the math. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a decade. Um, started by covering Patriots for ESPN Boston, so obviously a very strong uh, Patriots been there in the in the bio. Co-hosts uh, fantasy focused podcast, which everybody listening is like, yeah, we know that. That's exact. We all are having the same Pavlovian <laughs> response to his voice that you are, and the shame that John inferred. Hosts ESPN 2 Sunday pregame show, fantasy football now serves as a contributor to Monday Night Football, NFL Live, Sports Center. Uh, and also, I mean, this is just so impressive. <laughs> I'm like, I'm having to scroll to get to these fantasy show and ESPN's NFL draft coverage. So one of the things that we love to ask, which I would, I've, I'm so curious to see what you say when you hear that now, yeah. like what, what are you thinking? Like when you hear what you've done, where your life has gone, what you're, what you're doing now, which is incredible. Like would mm-hmm. 2000 or not 2012, listen, 12 year old, 12 year old field. Is he going, yeah, that's the trajectory kind of know what I'm trying to do here or are you sitting or is he going whoa that's out of nowhere totally out of nowhere it's all by it's all by sort of mistake to be truthful <laughs> so answer. I um what I did know when I was 12 and it start it led me to the beginning portion of my of my sort of working career uh, was I wanted to be a football coach I knew that when Wait, I was, were those were those quotes that was, again? That was no that was just did you throw up some quotes? I wasn't gonna, no, no, no I'll, I'll get the quotes <laughs> later that was just a sort of I talk with my hands sometimes it's a nervous okay, tick or okay. something um 
So I wanted to be a football coach. Oh, I knew wow. that at a very young age because wow. I knew that while I loved football, I was never going to be athletic enough to go and play at the NFL level. So I wanted to be a football you, coach. You knew that at 12 years old. I, I, probably you were thinking younger. That. Like my, I, yeah. I, I, uh, there was a game, I think it was a Thanksgiving game in 95. I'm, I'm 35 now. I'm born in uh, April of 87. And I think my parents yeah. recall like 1995 Thanksgiving football game where there was a play that took place. And I can't, I can't promise you it was particularly high level insight, but you know, I was breaking it down as if I were more a coach than I were a player wow. in my own brain, at least. And again, I'm sure I was just like, Hey, they threw the ball to the left side of the field. I would always throw the ball left if I were a coach. Right. Um, meanwhile, I hear these play calls that are, that are actually uh, passed along from a head coach to a quarterback during a game. And I'm like, that's a that's a Rosetta Stone required playbook. Like, you yeah. literally need to study for eight years before you understand one-tenth of it. But I thought I was going to be an NFL uh, head coach one day, and that was what led me to my experience with both the Patriots and the Chiefs. And what you'll often hear, or if you talk to somebody uh, who's in the coaching or scouting business, a lot of times it's like, if you'd like to go into coaching or scouting, it would be great to start on one path or the other. But if you're trying to become a coach and there's only a scouting job available to start, take that, huh. get in the building, proverbially, the proverbial yeah. building, yeah. and you'll figure it out from there. So that was kind of where I was as I started in scouting because there was an opportunity there with the Chiefs after my time in New England. And I thought I was going to be a head coach. Um, and I really wish, and I've had a lot of time to create uh, a like a, to be honest with you, just sort of like a white lie about what happened. But I really wish what I could tell people is that when I left Kansas City in 2011, when I was 24 years old, uh, and I decided to pivot away from working in football, scouting, or coaching, I really wish I could tell people that like the plan was, I'm going to leave this, I'm going to go get in TV, work at ESPN, and try to become a podcaster and TV personality. That was not the plan at all. To be honest with you guys, I had moved uh, to the Midwest, moved to Kansas City, Missouri, um, which is just a sort of like a point of just how naive I was. When I got on the plane to Missouri, to Kansas City the first time, I thought I was going to Kansas City, Kansas, which Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas yeah, City, yeah, Kansas, right, are, right. They, they do border each other, right? But I thought Kansas City was in Kansas. I just sort of assumed that was how it worked. Um, so it was very sort of, this was, this was totally new ground for me. And I, after a few years out there, and maybe I regret this, maybe, uh, but I try not to live with too much regret in life. But, you know, I felt like those first few years out of college, I'm from the new, I'm from Boston, outside of Boston, went to school in Connecticut. Most of my friends are from New England. And it's like their experience when they're 22 years old right out of college is like, hey, we're all meeting up at this bar, uh, you know, in like the Upper East Side or, uh, you know, down in like the East Village. Like, you want to meet up and go? It's like, yeah, I mean, I'll get on a plane tomorrow and be there in, you know, 27 hours. I'll see you then, right? Um, high school reunions, even just, you know, we're all going to go buy tickets and go meet up at, uh, you know, listen, we're going to go to the Dadville live show podcast, uh, you know, whatever, in Boston this weekend or something. And I think I was feeling like there was a chance that I'd kind of committed myself to one track. And if I never left, would I eventually look back when I was 40 or in so far deep that I had a family that kind of needed me to continue down that path? in order for us to, you know, continue to put food on the table. Um, and I, I, I don't know if chicken out's the right word, but I sort of figured maybe it was time to try something else just in case. Wow. And then something else became this. So um, very much not by design. Like I never had visions of working in football media, uh, but feel very fortunate that um, I got lucky to step away when I did because I do recall conversations with coaches and scouts that were 20 years into it that just said like, 
if you don't think this is for you forever, do it now because I, I like I'm, yeah. you know, I've, I've got three kids and I got, you know, a mortgage and I've got, you know, high school or college educations to pay for that. Like if I leave this, like there is yeah. no, like it's harder to start fresh when you're, you know, 40 years old than when you're 23, 24 right. years old. So that was kind of the origins of my ESPN story and very much not by design. So what, what was your yeah. first gig at ESPN? What were you doing then? So the Patriots, when I was still living in Boston at the time, I now live down in Connecticut, which is where ESPN's located mm-hmm. in a town called Bristol, which mm-hmm. pretty much is ESPN. Like that's kind of what it's known for, for sure. And it certainly is the uh, most notable business uh, in the town. Um, but there was a guy who's actually one of my best friends now. His name is Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for ESPN. We've got one reporter for every NFL team. Yeah. And Mike, uh, I'm going to overdo it with storytelling, but that's what podcasts hey, are Come for. on, man. I, uh, yeah, I sent an email out. I was trying to sort of, I, I've been writing for my own blog, a Tumblr blog, and then I tried to do some free websites, places that were kind of in the aggregation business. Um, and then I was using those as like kind of a resume to send out to various stations. And it was like 41 different places locally. And I consider locally like greater Boston area, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, uh, a little bit of Connecticut. And I got an email back from one person and it was Mm. this guy named Mike Reese. And he responded within, I'll I'll never forget this part now, 11 minutes. And I'm like, wow, "Wow." like I went 0 for 40 except for him who responded literally 11 minutes later. And he just said, hey, you know, I, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, it was in the middle of the uh, the season, and he's a very busy guy. The Patriots uh, that year went to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it was a long season, and, you know, those are intense years when you're covering a team of that stature. And he said, let's just stay in touch. Um, you know, I, I can't promise anything, and let's but let's be in touch. And let's be in touch turned into him offering me to come to the 2012 NFL draft uh, when the Patriots had two first-round picks. And he said, you know, it might be a busy night tonight. You know, I could use maybe a helping hand. And... The draft turned into, are you around for OTAs, which for those that aren't super familiar with the football calendar, uh, is the like May and June portion of the NFL season where guys are at their home facilities working out. It's not in pads. It's sort of like a kind of a glorified walkthrough, but not um, not quite that rudimentary, but also mm-hmm. not full board practices. And then OTAs turned into, are you going to be around for training camp? And that was how it all started. So I kind of just mm. got going on the Patriots beat, and ESPN quickly realized that you know Mike is sensational at his job. We don't, we don't need two people doing one job. And so it, it allowed they, – they said, hey, well, we, we see you have a background in other things as well, which included scouting and some coaching. So can we sort of tap into that? And I admire this about ESPN is that they're a company that if you can do one thing, they say, well, can you do two? If you can do two, can you do five, five, ten, mm. ten turns into 20? And next thing you know, you've got a full plate. And so things kind of just stacked on top of each other. And a few years into that, that included fantasy football coverage. And they, my boss, uh, Seth Markman, told me, he said, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but fantasy football is crazy popular and it's not going away and you may think of fantasy in a very different light as real football, but I'm just telling you, a lot of what we talk about in real football is applicable to fantasy football. Wow. And wow. there are times when real stories, real football stories, are more notable from a fantasy angle than they are huh. a real football angle. Um, and this is one example which is probably pertinent to both, but like, you know, like, a, like Christian McCaffrey got traded in the middle of this season mm-hmm. from the Carolina Panthers, oh, yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. And he's made a huge impact on the 49ers for sure. But 
that story was not just interesting to Panthers and 49ers fans. And by the way, at that time, the 49ers were not playing anywhere like right. they are right now. It was interesting to everybody because it was like that was the second or third player taken in fantasy drafts. What does it mean for his outlook? Who's the man who's going to replace him? When he goes to San Francisco, is he just going to send other guys to the bench who had been playing? Yeah. And I realized quickly that people love fantasy football, and they love mm-hmm. fantasy football so much that anything even tangentially related to fantasy football, <laughs> they have an interest in. And yeah. I love that about it. So what was your take on fantasy at that time? Like when, when they mentioned that to you? Were you like involved in fantasy leagues? Did you play? Yeah, I'd been playing up to that point. And it was, I think I was at the stage of my career, and I hope to kind of always keep this attitude, but I was certainly much more profound at that point where I was open to anything. And they could have told me, hey, we want you to go cover an entirely different sport, and I would have been receptive to it. Hmm. Um, But I was open to it. I'd been playing it. And my feeling was, well, I have a lot of fun when I play it with my high school and college friends, so let's give it a shot. And I also realized that as somebody who at the time was 25, 26 years old and was trying to like make a more notable mark on the ESPN landscape, this might be an opportunity. And I don't know that I knew at the time just how much of an opportunity it was going to end up being, but it's become something that... I always tell people if I meet twenty if I meet twenty fans on the street, I think nineteen of them at minimum are gonna say, like, who should I take first in my fantasy draft next year? It's much more often <laughs> right. than that than it yeah. is like so I saw your take on Dak Prescott on NFL Live recently. Like, what are your thoughts on his uh you know, his yeah. throwing on the run mechanics? No, it's yeah. like am I taking Christian McCaffrey or or Justin yeah, Jefferson yeah. number one overall yeah. next year? You know, it's funny it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that because I had him on my team this year. I had Christian on my team this year. I call him Christian. And uh and you literally the, like one of the th- yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're close. Um I think about him a lot. I know that much. Um but it's funny <laughs> because I immediately went to y'all's take on knowing that suddenly it was a split backfield. You know, it's all the things that fantasy guys know. It's like, well, he's he's the load. He's the only guy in Carolina, I mean, this is great for the 49ers, great for him, but this could be terrible from a fantasy team. So I was just like, everything y'all put up, I was like, you know, I was one of those guys, to your point, where suddenly, you know, the thing that's crazy too, Field, is that if you think about your pedigree and what you came up in, you're, those things all translate to what you're doing. I mean, scouting reports, like anything that you're doing where you're looking at, it all is plug and play with fantasy football, you know? That's kind of how I feel. Is that I feel like when I, you know, when Christian McCaffrey gets traded or somebody, you know, it's, all right, who's the next person up? Oh, it's Deontay Foreman. Okay, well, what kind of player is Deontay Foreman in my estimation? And while it's great that he might get, let's say, 15 or 18 carries a game now, if he's not very good, like, not every carry is created equally. So (laughs) Deontay Foreman getting 15 or 18 carries is different than... You know, prime Emmett Smith getting 15 or 18 right, carries. Right, so it right. was, I was able to kind of use, I do feel like I apply some of that stuff daily. And I always tell people, because to your point about like just sort of like hearing our take, is what I always tell people about fantasy analysis is that I don't know that our job is to bring all this proprietary info that you can't find somewhere else. A lot of the stuff that I feel often aligns with how some of my competitors feel, and that's mm-hmm. okay. I tell people that like our job is to take all these different pieces of information and put them into a tiny package that you can and we you know in, in our case it's a podcast that for if you have sixty minutes when you're you know driving to the studio or you're in between a session or you're mm-hmm. whatever you just picked up you're waiting for your kids to come out from the from school or whatever mm-hmm. it is right 
you can consume it and right. uh, and hopefully do it in a way that's entertaining because there is, and I don't need to tell this to musicians, right? But like, there, I mean, I'm sure you guys know thousands of very talented musicians mm-hmm. that um, have never made a dollar off of their work, despite the fact that they are yeah. insanely, insanely good at what they do, right? Right, that's how right. Famously, I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably not quite as competitive in our field, I can't imagine, but um, it is certainly a space where standing out is an important trait. So are you, do you, you know, this, John and I were laughing as we were kind of prepping for this. Do you, are you the guy, <laughs> I'm laughing, are you the guy that like everybody you've ever known that has your number, like during the football season, is your phone just on fire with like, dude, what, you know, somebody gets like with Christian McCafferty trade. Are, it's, it's is it just be. like the guy that you knew for 15 minutes on your T-ball team in fifth grade oh, yeah. who you ran into <laughs> at the bar? Six years ago, is suddenly like, bro. Hope you will. Hey, quick question: What should I do? I mean, are you just that guy? I would imagine <laughs> you would have like copy and paste ready responses. So, like, you see, Christian McCaffrey just, just got just traded. Just go to my like, Twitter right, feed, you idiots. Why do you think I do this? this is, yeah. Okay. First of all, you guys, your instincts are off the charts because this is exactly <laughs> it. So during the preseason, I always get a series of texts that are something <laughs> to the effect of like, "Hey, man, I need a sleeper. I've got my draft tomorrow." So I, on the notes app, have put together, I put together like, and it, it changes depending on the news, just sort of a, a, a copy and paste version that I can take and resend in short order. And then I put together, mm-hmm. I call it like a cheat sheet because it's not actually, it's not, it's not particularly um, innovative, but it's just like a top 100 rankings. And I put a one-liner. Number one, Christian McCaffrey. Hey, average 22.8 fantasy points yeah. per game last year. Tops amongst all players. Number two, Justin Jefferson. Led all NFL players in receptions and receiving yards, right? Yeah. One to yeah. 100. And I tell people that, you know, if I haven't updated in a week and five days ago some guy tore his ACL, like it's on you to know some of that information. Like I can't yeah. be responsible for every single piece of information that takes place. Um, but I hope that you are in tune enough to, all right, I'm not going to draft a guy that's not going to play this year. Um, right. But I'm, I'm funny that John mentioned, uh, like, you know, the people that I haven't talked to because I was just joking or I was just uh, with one of my, my very good friends and a colleague of mine, Mike Clay at ESPN, who's also on the podcast. And it was the day before Christmas because Christmas this year came was on a Sunday. So we moved, we moved our show on Sunday up to Saturday. And we were laughing because, see, like, we were both looking at our phones, like, before the show. And we must we both got, like – text and i think mike's was mike had just got one from a friend and it was hey man just wanted to check in and wish you guys merry christmas and then it was like dot 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 hey also just curious um wondering if i should play you know terry mclaurin over chris godwin this week and it's like hold on like just wanted to wish you a merry christmas i've told people this before I'd rather you quit with the pleasantries. Like, I get it. It's a business transaction, yeah. man. Like, you're you just don't really care how I'm read. doing. Like, you're asking me, like, you know, like, what's, like, how's Boston? I'm like, I moved, like, years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. They don't know I have a kid. They don't know that, like, I'm married. Like, I don't, I'm happy to tell you, like, which player I want to, you should start. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, so I'm like, I'm like I, I, it's okay, man. Like, I get it. Like, sometimes... Like you, you have information you need to know, and that's that's you. You do what you need <laughs> to do to get to that information. Yeah, I love that you copy paste. I mean, that is just genius. And and I actually don't mind. I don't mind the, like I don't mind when someone doesn't give me a thirty word intro asking how I am. Like I'm okay if you just text me. I haven't talked to you. Hey, would you start this player or this player? Um, what I the only one that bothers me. There's only one. 
is when someone will vers- like reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about starting Dak Prescott over Kirk Cousins <laughs> this week. What would you do? Or wh- who would you play, Dak, Cousin- Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins? And I reply, hey, you know, I've got Dak. I like the matchup better. I think he's been playing good ball of late. I play Dak. And they reply with, really? And I'm like, what do you mean, really? Like, did I stutter? Like, could I have been any less clear that I'd play Dak? And I'm like, did you, did you, did you ask me because you wanted yeah, my yeah, opinion? Yeah. Or did you ask me because you wanted confirmation? Yes, of oh, yes, totally. And in this case, your, opinion, your own opinion was, I, I kind of want to yeah, play Cousins, yeah, but yeah. I want Field to tell yeah. me to play Cousins. So those are the only ones that when someone responds back really or like I said, sort of counterpunch, I, I, do, I do not try to leave text message uh, replies blank, but that's one where I just say, <laughs> "Yeah, I have to get a They're like, it. "How how <laughs> can I gonna... be the sports genius analyst that I am if you're disagreeing with me right yeah. now? Something yeah. must be wrong." Yeah. Well, it just it's, it just seems like a fundamentally wrong yeah. approach to get <laughs> yeah. you what you're looking for. So I'm curious. I could be wrong though. Maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the sucker. You you at a young age have already kind of you've been in the business since high school, right? So. The, the like explosion of fantasy craze has happened during your tenure. And I'm curious, do you have any thoughts on how do you feel like it has affected football or like professionally or, you know, the sport at large and maybe any other trends that you see with, you know, cause fantasy obviously isn't just the NFL. How do you think fantasy has affected sports overall? I think the NFL will admit this, but maybe not necessarily um, as strongly as I will tell you uh, is the case. Fantasy football has just this massive impact on the league's popularity. Football is obviously going to be extremely popular. Mm-hmm. If you go and look at the end of the year, it's like of the 50 highest rated primetime shows, it's often like 47 or 48 of them are an NFL game. Like. The World Cup That's final amazing. every four years will probably jump ahead of it. I don't know, like the Golden Globes or something, you know, if, the, if there's an inauguration or something like that. If there's an election night, like those kind of things can jump ahead in line. But generally speaking, it's football, football, and more football. Um, but I always tell people is that what fantasy does is it allows us all to have a vested interest that supersedes the teams. Hmm. I'll be sitting mm-hmm. there on a thir- – and it's my profession. I watch this stuff. I You know, like – I'm going to watch it, right? I love it. Um, but, you know, I've got friends who all of a sudden it'll be Thursday night. It'll be like Commander Saints. And <laughs> they will be like locked in on the TV. And, you know, the meanwhile, they're like, you know, they're, they're a Chargers fan. And I'm like, why do you care about Commanders and Saints? And they're like, well, I've got Alvin Kamara in fantasy. Yeah. And that's why I get yeah. right? And it's done so much for the league's popularity in that regard. And I think that... What I love about fantasy football that I think is important is that I, I equate it to um, the NCAA basketball tournament in this regard that, well, you know, there was once fewer teams than 64, and now we're up to technically 68. When I think of the NCAA tournament, every March, 64 teams play a single elimination bracket, and one team is crowned the champion. And it's a three-week blitz that I love. And whether it's who I don't even care the number one seed is like I will live for like Valparaiso beating Illinois in the five twelve mm-hmm. game like that's the stuff that gets me fired up and it's every single year fantasy football like I play in leagues that I've been in for a dozen years we haven't touched the rule book once there's nothing we have to change the the beauty of it is that every Sunday or Thursday Sunday Monday the games themselves that are being played 
are all we need to make it an awesome experience. And so I think that other areas that could be maybe not as powerful, but certainly add layers of intrigue to football that um, go beyond just watching the game. I think sports betting is the one that everybody obviously has, has identified. Um, and I enjoy sports betting. I enjoy not just like the physical process of doing it, but I enjoy sort of the strategy and the thinking behind it. Um, identifying favorable lines, uh, willing to roll the dice when needed. I think the big difference maker in that, pretty rudimentary, is that like you're you're putting money up when, right. you, when you bet, yeah. right? And some people just aren't equipped. Like you know, there are some people that uh, aren't equipped and still lose money anyways. The degenerates, right? Uh, there are people that just aren't equipped to, right? They're like, I, I I live paycheck to paycheck. I can't afford to just twenty five bucks tonight and then another fifty tomorrow and then a hundred on Saturday, like. Fantasy, you either you may have a buy-in. Many of them are nominal, right? And some of them have no buy-ins. Mm-hmm. And I play in leagues where the winner gets a case of beer, yeah. and yeah. that's it. And is it a little bit different when you win a thousand bucks for a league as opposed to a case of beer? Maybe, but beer tastes pretty good too. So, um, <laughs> like you know, there's still the enjoyment. Like I, you still want to win that case of beer really badly. Yeah. So I think betting is going to have a pretty profound impact, um, especially once we see more and more in arena betting because soon enough it's going to be an NBA game where the Suns are beating the Clippers 97 82 in the fourth quarter and you're going to have the opportunity to bet whether the Clippers come back and win the game or lose by less than 10 and it's probably already happening in some places already Um, but that's the kind of stuff that people just like action we do we like to be involved it's I, I think and Twitter is a good example of this as well is that like we don't just watch the game anymore. We watch the game and we communicate right. with our friends on Twitter because we, we want to be a part of something more than just the game itself. So I just need you to buy in. It's going to be a milkshake place. We'll do, we'll do smoothies too. Called, okay. wait for it, We Are the World, but W-H-I-R-L-E-D. Oh, whor- like world. World, yeah. Like world, so we just, it's a cool. 50% buy-in. Annie and I are in if you'll do it. Okay. Um, and it's all Bitcoin. That's so, the place where I'm getting nah, hung up. But BYT, <laughs> which is something we're starting here in 12 South. But okay. you can get in. Give me 18 months to think about it. That's fair. Is that cool? That's what okay. everybody said so far, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard, but it's true, and it's loving, and that's what I love about you, John. Right. You know what Honestly. today's episode and my morning cup of joe is brought to you by, guess what, John? Oh, I know what you're going to say. Let's sing it together. Methodical coffee. You want to hear some methodical coffee right I do. Now? Here yeah. it is. Here we go. Oh, and now everybody mm. wants to go get some. Everybody oh, wants to go get God. some. Methodical roasts their coffee to best express the life it lived, the place, the weather, the soil, and to honor the skilled people who cultivated it. That's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, John, I don't know if you remember this. This is a big moment. We have a signature Dadville, Dadville blend, blend of methodical right. How coffee. How could I forget? It's the fuel that gets me going every morning. It's filled with hints of, and just like John and I, it's That's filled right. with hints of chocolate. We're a little chocolatey. Graham. We're a little Grammy. And brown sugar. Brown sugary. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You should also check out the Costa Rican and Brazilian coffees that make up the belly warmer. Oh, goodness gracious. Also my favorite dance. Methodical mm-hmm. offers a wide variety of flavor profiles that range from classics that are bold and chocolatey, mm-hmm. contemporary that are medium-bodied and fruity, and all the way to avant-garde, avant-garde. that push conventions. They push those conventions. Yeah, they do. 
That's probably why Gear Patrol voted Methodical one of the best roasters in America. Visit MethodicalCoffee.com for more information and use the discount code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. That's MethodicalCoffee.com and use the code DADVILLE for 10% off your first order. This This show is brought brought to you by by BetterHelp. Johnny. Yes. What was the last thing you learned about yourself? Uh, I think it could have been that I really respond well to improv prompts. I I would agree with that. that. Or that therapy is really helpful. John, you know where we're going with this. I do. BetterHelp is an online therapy service that connects you wherever you are, on tour, vacation, or even on a cruise ship. It's a great way to learn better coping skills, how to communicate more effectively, and how to even turn the temp down on daily stress. Yeah, some days you just need to find a way to get your feelings out. That's right. I would recommend to anyone interested in giving therapy a try to head to betterhelp.com. It's convenient, flexible, and it fits with anyone's schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can move to a new therapist anytime you want. That's right. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dadville today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dadville and get 10% off your first month. It's like equivalent to, this is such a random thought that I've never thought before, but it, it feels equivalent to in music, like in a live setting, everyone having an, an iPhone in their hand. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, it used to be like, if you're a Celtics fan, that's your team. You had franchise players. You had Larry Bird is your guy, you know? And you're and when you're at the game, everybody's watching the game. When you're at the show, everybody's watching the show. And now it's like, you're watching the show, but you also have, everyone has, you know, if there's a thousand people there, you have a thousand different, you know, recording devices that are sending it out, there may be live streaming. There's like everyone has their world attached to it and their lens that they're watching it through that I think has good and good and bad, you know? Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm gonna flip the script on you guys. Like, what is your feeling as you're performing and you're pouring your heart and soul? I mean, it's literally your professional livelihood. And while it's great that you've got people that support and care enough to be there, are you ever like, let's just take it all in, you know? Like, yeah. um, I, like it's going to be like, yes, the video is cool to have it on your phone, but there it's the experience is way like if the video did it justice, you wouldn't have to go to the concert in the first mm. place. Right. Or go to the show yeah. in the first place. So I kind of, well, the videos, I, I think <laughs> always the it, lighting it, sucks. Yeah, you can like barely good. hear. Well, that that is the thing that is so tricky about getting videos. It shows is that, and, and I had to learn this really early into my career. It's, so much of what makes, and you said it really well too there, Field, like so much of what makes the live show so compelling are so many things that don't translate on a medium. Mm-hmm. And so you get yourself in yeah. trouble and you're kind of like, oh, you know, he's here he is doing the solo. And then the artist goes back and watches like, oh, man, I'm a little out of time. And I was rushing and I didn't get that note exactly right. But in the minute, nobody's thinking about that because the energy in the room and the band is a certain volume and the drummers, yeah. and it's just all happening. And so the problem I think that happens with us is it's how it gets translated because then, you know, everybody posts it online and it's terrible. People are watching like, God, and you'll even have yeah. comments like, God, solo sucked. And they're like, well, no, that's not why I posted it. I posted it because solo was amazing, but this version of it 
that's without all of the other intangibles, you know, yeah. makes it sound like this, you know, it just sounds awful because you don't have the other things, what had just happened or what was about to happen or what you couldn't see on stage was happening. Or the, so I think that's the other thing that gets tricky about it is, is to John's point. It's like, you can never really take the whole thing away. You know, it's one thing. So, so one thing I wanted to ask before we get out of the fantasy world, which sadly I never do in my brain. Do you, do you feel like the way that the way that the NFL players feel about fantasy is changing or do you, from my limited perspective, it seems, it feels like to me more guys are really taking it on as like, and I love the, I mean, of course, as a fantasy player, you love when the guys are like, Hey, I'm playing this week, guys, put me in. Or like, this is for all my fantasy, you know, guys, like that extra touchdown. But there's also those guys who are like, they hate it. You know, and they're like, mm-hmm. which you kind of understand because you have the guys that'll get online and they're just idiots sending these ridiculous messages, you know, that you're like, come on, this is a real, this, we're talking about literally something we're playing and then a real life thing. But do you feel like that the, le- that the league and really just the players are taking it on more? So there are players and none more so than Austin Eckler, who, by the way, was as good of a yeah. player in fantasy as there was this year um, for the Chargers who embraced it to the point that. Like Austin has increased his visibility, I think his likability, his relatability, mm-hmm. every ability possible yeah. by so much this year because he's embraced it more than ever. Like the day before, I want to say the fantasy championship or like two days before, he popped up on the injury report and it was not something significant. When when a player gets listed to the injury yeah. report out of nowhere, all of us freak out. We're like, oh my God, Austin Eckler was limited today because of a toe injury. And I'm telling you, like within like an hour of the report, the the injury report, which is issued by the team, uh, being released, Austin had posted like an Instagram story, and he was like, "Hey, I want to let you guys all know I'm good. I'm going to play on Sunday. I would never let my fantasy managers down." And like, I, I just I think the world of him as a fantasy player, but even more so as a human, because he's been so smart about embracing it. Mm. And I get it. There's a nasty side to it, right? Like. If this were the we're having this conversation the day after the Cowboys beat the Bucks, and if it were the regular season, and you had Brett Maher, the oh, the man. Cowboys yeah. kicker, as your kicker, he missed four extra points yeah. last night. You would be mm. livid with him, and stuff would be pretty nasty. There'd be yeah. a lot of vitriol yeah. that would probably turn someone like Brett Maher away from Twitter and yeah. any other social medium. Yeah. Um, and I get that side to it. I also have a feel like, for good or bad, I guess not for good. For good, I'm okay with it. But for like, never never tweet players. Just never do it. Yeah, There's no use. Yeah. Like. It reveals so much more about you than it does them. Right. But I do think there are players that have embraced it, and I think it's really helped them. I think Austin's like probably an outlier because of just how far he's gone. He's got a pod, he has a podcast with Yahoo. Hmm. Like uh, like he literally is like once a week. He's like, oh yeah, like I, this this Damian Pierce from the Texans. He's really impressive to me. Like he's <laughs> so very crazy. Um, he's definitely like the part that sucks is that like he's gonna crush fantasy as a player for like the next seven years and then he's gonna get hired at espn and i'm gonna become like <laughs> i'm just gonna become like a like a bumper sticker on the wall I'm like yeah it was, i mean he had a good run but like oh my god it's austin eckler here well right? it's it's so smart too because to your point those guys you know i mean athletic career especially in football you know you're you're a rarity if you're playing into your 30s so you know th- those guys can yeah. have other jobs, and a guy like that that could translate into so many cool opportunities post career mm-hmm. because because his you said it so well, and I never thought about this field like just his kind of likability goes through the roof, and so all of a sudden people are like you know okay. what he'd be great on, and then you know you have all these opportunities post football. Yeah, I I think that um like Q score if that's does that still yeah. exist Q score I feel like that was a bigger thing back in the day. As I say, that is a back in the day, the 35-year-old <laughs> says. Um, but if Q scores still do exist, I feel like those um, 
players who embrace fantasy see a higher key yeah, score. Yeah. And Eckler's a good example of it, but Leonard Fournette for the Bucs has talked about mm-hmm. it before. Like, I'm not going to let you guys down. I know I have been recently, but I'm going to turn things around. Um, and, and I don't... Here's what I would say. I respect and appreciate any player that decides that he wants to embrace fantasy football and the good that it can bring. Yeah. I do not begrudge a player who says, kick rocks. Well I don't said. care about your fantasy yep. team. And... I'm okay with that, right? Because yeah. they really don't have to. Like, they, they don't owe us anything. They have done right. more for us right. in an entertainment enjoyment that I could possibly articulate. So um, it does, like, it's 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 not a double-edged sword. I don't think it's, like, yeah. two yeah. different sides here. Yeah. I think it's, um like, but I do think that the players that, that are buy, buying into it, I think on average are being received in a way mm. that if I had a player who was thriving in fantasy, I would, like, if I were an agent, I would encourage that player mm. To lean into it, as opposed to that player, um, like it's okay if they be grudge it, but I would tell them like it's okay to to have some fun with it too, yeah. like because yeah. it it just endears them to right. fans even more than they already do on Sundays when they score touchdowns. Yeah, right. I, I was so excited to talk to you about this because I just love your perspective being on sort of the front lines, maybe the second line of this, but with the Demar Hamlin, just this crazy um, event, which was. One, it's, I mean, some of the conversations I had with friends were to, to realize that that's the first time it's ever happened. It's kind of a miracle. I mean, and mm-hmm. granted, it's such a weird, you know, once we all kind of found out medically what had happened, that's just, I mean, that happened, it's a lightning strike thing, you know, but still just the fact that someone that had been hurt in a way, you know, it's amazing that for all the years in the NFL, that was the first time that it happened at that level, you know, but why do you think, I'm so curious to know this, why do you think that the world responded, the league responded, the other players responded like they did to that. I mean, I've, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that, you know? I don't, th- yeah, I don't think so as well. And there are a lot of factors here. And these are not necessarily in order. They're just kind of as they hit my brain. But um, I think the popularity of the NFL is a big part of it because I think we all love it so much and we realize how much it means to us. And we realize that, like, there's no... It's not tit for tat. It's mm. not like mm. the players. Like we don't like we don't pay the players to play the game, right? The teams play them, right? And I suppose we, in some way, pay them because we support them by buying tickets to games and subscribing to the various networks that broadcast these games, right? But like Demar Hamlin, I've never done a thing for Demar Hamlin, and as we saw a few weeks ago, like he literally put his life on the line mm. to help make a game better and entertain, which in turn would that would entertain me more right and there is a deep appreciation for mm. the physical toll that these players are putting on their body and the probably admission and it's hard to talk about that like this is this on average will compromise their long-term health mm. there are mm-hmm. countless players who are in the you know 50s and 60s who are in their 50s and 60s now and you know like they look like they're in their 70s. Like their body mm, is in a yeah. different state than you'd expect a 52-year-old guy to be. So I think part of it is just like the general respect that I think fans showed and do show for football and for athletes in general. Mm. I think the reaction of the players made it such a visceral moment. Wow. When you see Joe Burrow and Josh mm. Allen, who, you know, two of the best players in the league, and quarterbacks, I think, have this incumbent responsibility to mm. be sort of like undeterred for better yeah. or worse. Things yeah. go well. They can show emotion, but they still have to, like, you got to play the next play. And if things go badly, you got to go out and make the next throw. And you could see, like, both of them were 
either borderline or in tears. Mm. And you're like, listen, if Josh Allen, maybe the most athletic player in the league, can can succumb to tears during mm-hmm. this moment, mm. like it's like you see how vulnerable and how real this is. Um, I think not to be overlooked, of course, is the fact that like this happened on Monday Night Football, the only game that was taking place, wow. and it was maybe the most anticipated game of the season. At the time, the, the two teams had combined for 23 wins, which ESPN put together the stat. It was the most combined wins in the history of a Monday Night Football match. Now, obviously, later in the season, you're more likely to have more combined wins, right? But the stakes were high. Like, So a lot of people were watching it, and if there's nine games on and you don't see the injury, I just think it takes on a different feel if like you see a clip on Twitter. you know. So I think that was part of it, too. Um, and then... You know, there's been, uh, like, you know, Twitter has changed a lot of late, and I think that there are some people that have grown tired of it and maybe decided to put, you know, attention and resources elsewhere. But I did think we saw some good in that moment of social media um, because, you know, the money raised, like, that that, that money is going to make a, a profound impact. Incredible. And it's going to do some really good for people. His goal was, like, what, $2,500, right? And they raised, yeah, like, so back when he was $7 in college, million. Dollars. And he's... Yeah, from $2,500 as a college student to $7-plus million. And, you know, the, the the support has continued in different ways since then. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been murals and statues and things built around Buffalo, and um, I think people are going to continue to do it. And, you know, I tend to think that every fan base is pretty unique in the NFL. There are um, – but some, some just – maybe just amongst the very best. And yeah. Buffalo would be right there at the top of the list for me. I mean, the ways that they have embraced their team yeah. through good and bad, because obviously it's really good right now, but it hasn't been that way for a long time. Uh, the support they show their players is second to none. And I remember when Josh Allen's grandmother was ill, they donated like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Jeez. And there's now a, a wing at the Buff- local Buffalo, ho- Buffalo Hospital. It's named in her honor. Like They show out for their players in a way that... Uh, like it's almost like you think they're part of the team. Hmm. And um, hmm. I know that, you know, for a while, Buffalo dealt with the stigma of like what player is going to want to go play in Buffalo, New York. Now it's the right. kind of place where, I mean, I think Buffalo, I think uh, if I were an NFL player and I wanted to go win, that helps. But if I wanted to go have a unique experience, like throw me to Buffalo right now. It's yeah. cool. Really sweet, really special place. So uh, one last question about that before we get to dad stuff. Um, I, I feel like the, Overall, the awareness, like you're saying, the popularity of football is is on the rise, and it's the most popular sport in the country, and becoming more popular around the world. And I think people's awareness of just how dangerous the game is is on the rise. With you know, now they have the concussion protocol that they have to go through. That's a that's a regular part of the game. What do you feel like the future? looks like for the game in your opinion from your perspective with those two things on the rise if it were some other sport let's say this it were some new sport that came along in the last 10 years i think it would be it wouldn't be a stretch for somebody to say like i don't know if the sport is going to survive due to just how dangerous it is but given the fact that that we're talking about the most popular sport in the country, it's probably not going to happen. But what do you see? Are there any changes that are going to happen beyond what have already happened? Hmm. 
So we are seeing like incremental advancements that I think are important to note. Helmet technology has changed dramatically. NFL rules have been modified to protect players more stringently than ever before. And you can only control so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are players who violate those rules with hits every week. They are fined heavily as a result of that. It's not like a, a fine takes away the ability to do it again, but it certainly discourages future right. behavior. Yeah. I think one of the realities that I've probably come to re- realize with, with, with concussions and, and, and potential head injuries is that it strikes me that the short-term impact generally is not as severe as the long-term impact. And that's where it gets scary, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that it doesn't mean that these players' health is not as important when they're 30 years removed from the NFL, but the dynamic and the relationship that we have with these players when they're in the prime and the apex of their career, it's just so different than it is when they're 20 years removed from the game, right? If the most, you know, like if Michael Jordan tore his ACL in the middle of the prime of his NBA career, I know this was in the pre-social media era, right? But it would be like the dominant storyline that we would talk about in sports for probably the entire season, mm-hmm. right? Not that we don't like Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan is is basically omnipresent between owning the Hornets and also just his his, his incredible off court success. But like, it's a different reaction, right? Like he just he reverberates a bit differently now than he did during the prime of his career. So I think that unfortunately, like I hope. And I'm not naive to think this is going to be the case, but like you hope none of these guys have long-term impacts. But if they're 20 years removed and we hear a story about how a guy is really struggling, it just has a like and we're all human, right? Like just the emotional attachment you have to these players when they're present and playing right. is different than when they are retired and they are now former insert team here quarterback. Yeah. It's just a bit of a different dynamic. So my guess is that football is going to at least during my lifetime, like not go anywhere. It's going to continue to be very popular. Um, and I think that there is un- like, there's an unfortunate recognition that concussions are like the definition of an occupational hazard for an NFL player, yeah. which is a sad reality, but it's not like, it's not the league's fault. It's not the player's fault. It is the reality of playing a sport that's got some dangerous and violent mm-hmm. nature to it. And there are other sports that, we love that do pose maybe not quite to the same level, but do pose some similar threats. You know, I know there's been plenty of research about some of the perils of playing soccer, which you think, mm-hmm. wait, what? But like headers turn into concussions mm-hmm. and you're not wearing a helmet. So um, it's scary. One, two, like what's crazy is, um, you know, I'm a big soccer fan. Two years ago with the Euros with Christian Eriksen, um, yeah, who falls over on the field, right? and, like, and on the field. And that was no contact too. So it wasn't even... So it is, it, yeah, you make a great point. It is a, it's scary. And, but, but, sorry, yeah. continue. No, just, that, that's just, I would just that. say, so there's, there's really no way to like expect it ever go away. Um, and it's not, it's not, it's not about blaming. It's not about saying the NFL is doing something wrong or the players are doing something wrong. It's just, I, I remember when I played football, like that was, you know, and, and as my wife and I consider, you know, if we have a son one day, like it's going to be a conversation and it's mm-hmm. going to be a tough one because, this sport has given me more than I could ever possibly imagine. And if my son says, I want to play football, and we have to have that conversation about, should I? Should we let him play? The idea of, like, taking that away from him is, in one way, like, fundamentally wrong. Mm, right. But as a parent, is in your ultimate responsibility, the, the well-being of your kid. Mm. And I think that's what we are trying yeah. to figure out. I think yeah. if you're if you're— 
if you have a son one day and he comes to you and is like, I'm ready, let's do football. That's when you yeah. immediately start talking about how awesome it is to be a kicker. To play guitar. <laughs> just... Play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> play guitar. You know, it's so funny. You, you joke, Bill, but it's like part of me. I mean, th there's a very real sentiment even in our industry now where it's kind of like because it's changed so much and, and a million things that are boring to talk about. But, you know, I could see myself in the same way going like, I don't know, maybe football. You've ever thought about being football? Like, <laughs> let's don't do music. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I mean, but I'm curious. I mean, yeah. as John was saying, do you do you I, I always love asking people in the athletic sphere this because you have a so much more informed take on it from one playing yourself. But I mean, you are, uh, you are front lines for this. I mean, you know, you, you guys, especially at ESPN, you are the news and information you're getting is, is the front lines for these kind of things for DeMar Hamlin or even, you know, like I know uh, the injury last night uh, in the Cowboys game, you know, it sounds yeah, like he's I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. Russell Gage. Yeah. Really scary. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like he's okay, but it was scary. It's scary. I mean, like you know, you, you are a blowout. You're like, oh yeah, my God. like you are, t you are talking about this professionally in your, in not only podcasts, but your shows and everything. And so I I'm, I'm curious. I mean, is that, is that, and also, and I think this is why it is so interesting to me is one of the first things you said is how many friends you have that were in your wedding from your athletic time in college. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You, yeah. so you have another perspective, which is like, slash, I have some of my closest friends are from playing this game, Yeah, you know? Sure. So it's a dilemma. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm curious, as you were saying, like, how do you make, you know, as a parent, as a dad, and you don't have to worry about this yet, but in assuming that does happen, or even, you know, with your daughter, where it's like, she wants to play soccer and she's really good. Concussions are a very real thing. I mean, ACLs, MCLs, you know, all the things. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, so knowing what, you know, how do you feel like you want to approach that with your wife as parents, you know, in this, in the sports sort of world? I think what I want to tell myself now is that like, you can get not too deep into the weeds, but also can be influenced, I think fairly and unfairly by your own exposure. And so <laughs> yeah, like, sure. I need to probably level set when our daughter and we, so we have one who turns one this weekend, That's and we so have funny. another one coming in a few months. Oh, my so gosh. it's going to be absolute mayhem. Congrats. Another daughter? <laughs> Thank you. Another daughter, <laughs> yeah. So we're two <laughs> yes. for two. Uh, so we don't have to have the football conversation <laughs> yet with her. Um, but it's going to I mean, it's going to be completely mayhem. Maybe by the time they want to make a decision, gonna I'm say, just going to be so worn down. They're going to be like, hey, you want to play soccer? How about a motorcycle instead? <laughs> that seems like fun, right? You know, like, that'll be awesome for you. But I think it's like my, the goal, I think, will be to – like not look at it through the lens of like all this information I have about like these highly athletic individuals who professionally and the, the, the likelihood of them getting hurt. But like, okay, what is like, I'm sure there's a, not a pamphlet, but there, maybe there's a pamphlet somewhere when you go to the youth soccer signup and it says like, you know, here are the like dangers associated with it. And it's like, you know, one out of whatever hundreds or thousands of kids has these issues. And it's like, we have talked and we're still relatively new to the parent game, as again, just about a year. But one thing that we talk about often is that um, we feel a great deal of debt to our parents for providing a life that allowed us to live and, and meet each other and be where we are now. And our goal is to try to give our kids comparable opportunities. Mm. They don't have to live our life, but we'd like to pres and present them with some of the opportunities that we were presented with. And sports has been a massive factor in both mine and my wife's life. Uh, she's the much better athlete out of the two of us. Um, she was a division one field hockey player and oh, could kick my tail and nice. everything. So she, like, I think we want our kids to be very, you know, we would love for them to enjoy athletics, not because of like the sports themselves, but the relationships and the bonds right. and the lessons yeah. learned there. Um, I think some of it is like just 
I hate to use the word calcu- the term calculated risk because it feels like too strong of a connotation. But to like be thoughtful about it. And if we're the only person in the neighborhood that's not letting our daughter play soccer because you know I I, I spent too much time thinking about the one incident that took place back in 2021 or something like that to me feels like um, it might be overdoing it as a parent. So probably it's about being like as fair and justifiable as you can. Um, And of course, also assuming, you know, if our daughter says like, I I would rather go, I'd rather kick you than kick a soccer ball. Like let me get back to my, whatever it is that she's instead interested in, then we'll, we'll embrace that as well. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, so all that, I know that took a minute, but all that to say, and this is kind of dark, and I don't mean to be, but it's a genuine question. Yeah. On his gravestone, like after uh-huh. he's died, which is sad. Sure. We'll miss him, but do you think he'll say stung instead of stained? Uh, I mean, I see where you're going. I just don't think that you should have had the tombstone made yet. That's a little more of it. It's a new kind of, it's like, it's actually a new investment thing. I, this guy <laughs> on Instagram sent me is you make these headstones and you, yeah. and you sell them to people. Sure. Oh, okay. Celebrities. Specific. Right. But now I say it out loud and it makes sense. I'm just, a bad idea. I'm a little bummed that I invested in this company. Well, <laughs> you're in it now, man. But you know what's funny? Speaking of, yeah. how great is Field? I mean, oh, how awesome is he? Do you think after this episode, Beyonce, will your fantasy football league, you think you'll win it next year? Is uh, it yours? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And the singular reason will be this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Okay. Yeah. Well, with such championship aspirations on your plate, I would imagine it's tough keeping up with your kids' vitamins. Am I right? Oh, well, I was just something. thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And thankfully, Dave, mm-hmm. Haya Health is sponsoring today's episode. Okay. And with Haya, you can give your kids the nourishment they need without the unhealthy sugar and the chemicals. Chemicals are gross. They're gross. I count me out. Yeah. Hard pass. But Haya is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin that's perfect for picky eaters. That's right. With zero sugar and zero gummy junk, Haya is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. Could you imagine the strength of our superpowers? Had we taken Haya as as nope. kids, I mean, almost be, would have been too much. Be We'd be too powerful, and I could dunk yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, our fame, by the way, would be endless because yeah. you know. But what isn't endless? Watch yeah. this: is Haya's incredible formula that's non-GMO, mm-hmm. vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, mm-hmm. and everything else you can imagine. Amazing. It's designed for kids for all ages and sent straight to your door, so parents have one less thing to worry about. That's right, but guys, don't just take our word for it. No. Here's a quote from a real parent. They said, quote, my kids love Haya Vitamins. They actually remind me to give them the vitamins every day. And the stickers that come with the first order were so much fun to decorate the bottle with. Unquote. My kids love that bottle. I think it's the lure at this point. It's like you can see the (laughs) beauty. Yeah. It's it's priceless art. (laughs) Yeah. Give your kids the nourishment that they need and the taste they love with Haya Vitamins. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You can receive, get this, Dave. Sit down. You need to sit okay, for sorry, this. Sorry, sorry. Okay, okay, now. Sit, no, not on the floor. Sit oh, on, just sit sorry. on the chair. Okay, sorry. 
you can receive 50% no. off now, your now I've first stand up. order. i got to stand up. It's too good. <laughs> to claim this deal, guys, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash DadBuild. This deal is not available on their regular website. So go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash DadBuild and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, Should we invite him in? (laughs) Is he on the roof blowing it off? We're talking about sports specifically, but it really, it really bleeds over into anything. You know, like it, the, there are risks involved in everything. And really when you analyze our lives, we really have a, a kind of a hilarious, like blind eyes turned to, to, things that we worry about you know what i mean like yeah. we have outsized fears we fe- i fear like you know somebody breaking into the house while we're all asleep as like yep. as a dad like that's a thing right but i should be more worried about getting hit in my car when i like statistically there are all these right. these actual risks that we really normalize and don't really you know worry about and you got to live your life and the you know one thing that dave and i talk about a lot on this podcast is how we don't just transfer all of our stuff onto our kids because uh, we've had a lot of like professionals on here who have taught us stuff and the number one thing that i have learned is that a lot of the things that i worry about as a dad are just my things you know Mm -hmm. that i am actually just projecting onto my kids and you know and it's just so hard to not do that and i know that you're just uh like you said a year in but one of the questions that I always want to ask dads on this podcast is what are, what are the things that when you go to bed at night, you lay your head on the pillow and you kind of look back on your day as a, as a dad, what are the things that you worry about? What are, what are the things that kind of keep you up as a parent? Yeah, I think more so than anything, and this is maybe because our daughter is at a pretty formative age at a year old where like, you know, she's now got teeth and like she just started to walk. And there are a lot of things that are happening all at once. Mm-hmm. No question in my mind that amongst the like there are, there are several things. But the thing that at least has weighed on me most heavily of late is are we doing this right and not and, and getting stuck the comparison game. Like I was with a friend this past weekend who's got an eight month old and they were like, yeah, you know, she, <laughs> she takes one nap a day and she sleeps for 13 to 14 hours at night. 13 to 14 hours. Like we get 12 usually. And like, you know, sometimes it's a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. And I'm like one nap a day. I mean, like our our daughter sleeps, takes two naps a day, which admittedly breaks the day up a lot. Right. But I'm like, she, like she's a year old, like by nine 30 or 10 o'clock, like her gas tank is empty. Like she doesn't want to go run around and do stuff. She wants to go jump in her crib for an hour and a half. So, um, or, like we have a, who are friends who have a child that's younger than ours and like they were with us and we had a bottle with formula in it and they're like she takes formula still i'm like is that not normal they're like oh we, uh, we do like maybe a bot maybe a bottle at nighttime and i was like oh sh- crap like I, I pop a bottle in there every night without question and during the day i always have one handy like our daughter eats a lot of food and she's got teeth now so she can chomp on you know, she, if she wants leftovers, she'll take my leftovers. But it's the fear of, and it's maybe it's because it's the first one. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe totally. it's because we live in a comparative size society. But like I always tell, like we live in, in and maybe I'm 
over overdoing it because of of just being in the present. But like we live in such a comparative society. Yeah. Like and yeah. I always talk about it like it's it's a wonderful and it's a very powerful tool for my industry and certainly your industry as well, uh, both in, in music uh, and podcasts too. But I'm like, isn't it kind of amazing that like when you go to someone's Instagram profile, it shows like how many followers they have, as if that matters. Like, does it make you, does it make you more important because you've got 10,000 and your neighbor has 120, right? Like that, everything mm-hmm. is comparative. I posted on Instagram and I've got 30,000 followers. Sweet. Like I posted on Instagram and I have 37. Does that mean that like my picture is like irrelevant? So it's a weird, and I think that unfortunately, like my mindset has probably taken some of that comparative um, sort of just mentality and apply to the parenthood. I'm always wondering, yeah. you know, are we, are we doing this right? And right. maybe 10 years from now, maybe a year from now, I'll laugh and say, dude, like, she walks, she talks, and she yeah. chews her food. Like, you're fine. Yeah. But for now, you're sort of like, Ugh. How are you feeling going in with the second one now? Like, what, what, like how, how are y'all? Completely ignoring it. Completely ignoring it. <laughs> I mean that half facetiously, right? But uh, I remember the first, the first pregnancy, Yeah. and I always laugh. I'm like, you realize that a pregnancy is, first of all, like, Closer to 10 than it is nine months, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. second of all, and maybe you guys have, have moved to it, like you're, you're far enough removed from having your children that you don't think of it this way anymore. But like when someone asks me now, like how far along is my wife? Like the first one taught me, we speak in weeks, right? Like, hey, we're, yeah, we're yeah. 17 weeks here, right? But during the first one, I could tell you, hey, we were 22 weeks, three days, four hours, and 37 seconds into it. Totally. Now I'm like, I think we're somewhere in the second trimester, maybe four <laughs> months or so, you know, like yeah. June. So what June? It's like four months. Yeah, about four months, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, and part of that's because you're just, you're so busy with your first child that yeah, you've got yeah. that to take care of you. Um, but I think the other thing is that uh, we know, like, even if we can, even, even if we are capable parents, we know it's going to be... I mean, so many people have warned us about the jump from one to two and how you, you can, like, two-on-one defense is a lot easier than, than one-on-one defense, and that's what we're about to dive into. So we are, we have gotten ourselves ready uh, as far as we can this, 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 at this juncture of the pregnancy, and we'll continue to do so, but I'm also going to have to tell myself that, like, I've just started to sleep kind of normally again. Oh, yeah, yeah, Got, yeah, like, you know, yeah. like, routine and all those things and, like, now, like, I can probably kiss some of those things goodbye, but yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, I was going to say, I'm sorry to get sappy, but this is the perfect place to do it, right? But it's like, I uh, actually had the weekend, this past weekend with my daughter by myself. My wife went on a girl's trip, which was great. She deserves it. Moms deserve every single thing in the world. There's mm-hmm. no two ways about that. that. And before she left, I was kind of like, this will be interesting, right? Like, mm-hmm. all week, basically three days by myself, long weekend, and... Like last night when the the baby was asleep, I was like, "That's the most special three days mm. that we'll ever have, right?" Like we we didn't do yeah. anything. Like we we, mm-hmm. we 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 barely left the house. We live in Connecticut; it's cold. It's not like we're mm. out like playing in the park all day, right? But it's yeah. like I like chased her around the f- house for like you know three hours at a time. She took naps. She we we ate pouches and bananas and toast and <laughs> like that was it. And you're like, "That's the coolest thing ever." So it's funny how much uh, change. Um, you know, 15 years ago, like my idea of like a wild Saturday night compared to like, you know, Saturday night, like I watched the Jaguars and the Chargers while I had the monitor next to me and my baby yeah. slept peacefully. It's like 15 yeah. years ago, I'd be like, yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm on my uh, third Jaeger bomb. I can barely see out of my left eye, but we're having a blast, <laughs> you know, like just a little different 15 years later. 
Man, I I will say uh, having so I have two girls as well, and it is the best. So okay, just, just get ready. But I yeah. will say when you were talking about you know going, you have a lot of friends who have prepared you for how different it is going from one to two than zero to one. Um, and so much of that for us at least, so much of the climate of what having our second daughter was like was determined by our first our oldest i mean she was just she set the climate for all that and it was drastically different from the first time when i'm hoping you're not going to follow up and tell me if, if you tell me that, like your first like slept really well and ate really well and your second one didn't i don't want to like i'm just gonna, I'm yeah, gonna pull my ear my no. my headphones out for a second because ours is no actually you're a good sleeper not neither one of ours slept well or ate well but okay the the second one when we had our second one we had this cute little Luca who was adorable and was a complete tyrant and was just wanting to like, <laughs> she wanted to hold her little baby sister. But then if we turned yep. our head she would like throw her on the ground or something like that, you know? So you have yeah. to deal with that. But I wanted to say one of the sweetest things about that, ex that early experience was the time that I got with Luca, you know, because, you know, for the, as you know, in the beginning, you're, you're the helper useless you know like you're you yeah. are the second role for sure and then when the second one comes along now i kind of took on more of a a first role with luca and i was taking luca on these little you know take her to the park while amy can get some sleep while Livy's asleep all that kind of stuff so it, that, that is a, a real sweet thing that you will mm. experience more and more of I can already envision that too, which is gives me gives you some optimism and hope. And I know it's going to be like special, and it's going to be just yeah, you know, it's going to be surreal. Um, and I, I'm already looking forward to the interactions the two of them have. I grew up with a brother who is uh, not I mean, the gap's a little bit larger. He's less than two years, but not quite as small as the gap mm -hmm. between our two daughters. And you know, he's my best friend, and we had so many laughs mm -hmm. growing up. And my parents and my mom has shared all the funny memories of what things were like uh, when we were you know, toddlers. And I know there's going to be so much greatness ahead. And uh, the beginning will be, it'll be parenting is what it will be. <laughs> but that's, you know, if we learned it, the, if we survived the first and, one, I have a feeling. And you'll probably forget time. most of it, you yeah. know? Oh, I've already, like, there are so many things that I've already forgotten about the first time around that I've just sort of reminded myself. I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. Like, you know, just yeah. like various like patterns of behavior from the kids at a certain age. And like, you know, we don't like, I forgot that like you spend the first three months, like you're constantly burping a child, right? Uh, like you're constantly have yeah. to have a, a, a burp rag somewhere. I'm like, you know, I don't like, she's not a particularly clean eater. You know, she's like, you, she's right. going to, like, she's going to eat and then we're going to change because she's going to have, you know, completely <laughs> spilled everything. Um, right. But John, is it's not like, like I'm that. sitting there like yeah. one bite down. <laughs> burp well, you know it's like it's uh, yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, i get her like uh, it's hopefully it is like riding a bike though once you get back to that newborn stage well it is crazy how many things you forget that you were so worried about you know what i mean like they're yeah. they will go through these little phases where like luca our oldest she went through this phase where she was scratching herself in her sleep like yeah. we would clip her nails as as like low as we could clip them and then yeah. just she would just in her sleep she would just kind of like scratch her face and then it would scab and then she'd pull the scab off. And we were so worried about it because it was like she would wake up and look like she had just been in an accident or something like that. And then one day it just goes away and, and you, you know, one day you're looking through pictures and you're like, oh my gosh, 
She used to do that. I, when did she stop yeah. doing it? I don't even remember. Yeah. And at the time, it just felt like it was yeah. all. It, we were really worried about it. Yeah, we were yeah. like, "Do oh, we? Man. Can we get like mittens that we can lock on her hands?" You know, <laughs> the the iPhone like does a great job of making those memories that you see every once yes, in a while to yes, pop yes, up. Yes, yes, and so yes. I'll be able to go through like early phases, and I'm like, "Oh crap! I do remember that." Like, I remember like you know. Remember when she had baby acne for three days? And all of a sudden, it's like yeah. your kid's face just turns red. And yeah. you're like, oh my God, yeah. she'll never be seen in public again. And the yeah. doctor was like, it'll probably be gone in a day, maybe a week, but don't worry about it. And then like three days later, she's like, you know, back to like, uh, you know, she looks like she just went to a makeup artist. And you're like, wow. These, like, I, I, you know, like agonized thinking there was something wrong with her the first yeah. time for yeah. the yeah. first hour when she... You get like a little irritation. So I think probably uh, the biggest lesson that I hope that we've learned from one to two is um, like sort of knowing when to be seriously concerned and yeah, when yeah. to understand that like these little things are built to last. They're quite durable and they're tough and they're resilient. <laughs> right. And they yeah, and they, they are. Uh, we don't give them enough credit in their early yes. stages. Of well, that's for, for sure. sure. That's really well said. Yeah. So, OK. So. So first of all, thank you for hanging so much. We always end with two questions. Um I'll okay. ask you the so first one. For this. What is the one thing you want your girl slash girls to know? That is a good one. You know, I've thought about this. Huh. I don't I I have to, you know, I should, there's, is there should be a require, is there a requirement that like every, um, every song that a musician writes, there has to be like a backstory that's describing it, right? Like, <laughs> of course. What was yeah, uh, yeah. what's the origin of Remember That I Still Love You? What is the origin of that of that song? Oh man. Not to put you on Look the spot. You. Look at you. Um I, you know it, it, John can attest to this too. It's really tricky when you start having kids as a songwriter because you suddenly realize like it is hard not to write every song about your kids. Yeah. Like I make this joke live all the time when I play any of those songs because it's just like all of a sudden you have this thing and you're like, oh, I care so much about this and I have so much inspiration around it. So um, that was yeah. one that I was writing with a buddy and we started one idea and it was hysterical. He laughed at me the whole day because I, I don't write a lot with other people from my own music. And so, but yep. we had started this idea and it was like clear as a bell that I was like, Oh my gosh, do you know what this has to be about? And he was like, what? I was like, this has to be at my kids. And I started immediately getting emotional and he was like, Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, yep, sorry. Let me just pull it together. And so, um, it, we wrote it so fast cause it was just one of those rare moments where the mood or whatever was happening. I was like, Oh, I think this has to be this, um, yeah. which is, you know, that's sort of where yeah. that came from. Well, I mean, that song hits way different once you become a dad. I'll tell you that. Oh much. my gosh! Like, listen, I'm like, geez, I'm like crying on my walk with my dad. I'm like, are you okay? I'm like, it's just a little windy out. I'm okay, uh, but it does remind me of what I what I want my daughters to know. And um, like, they, they'll never know the pre. They will never know the version of me that was before their arrival, right? Wow. Um, and I hope, like, I've, I've thought about this. Like, they're going to be, you know. Every kid um, will have moments of vulnerability. Uh, I think that um, I've seen girls, I had a younger sister, and I've seen young girls who could be nasty to each other at any age. But, you know, teenage years can be tough. Um, I have a cousin who's uh, 14 years younger than I am. So I kind of, and she was, I was, played a, we were, we were very close. And, you know, I sort of saw her, like, grow through, she's going to be uh, a senior in college, or she's a, now a junior in college. And I've seen her go through those those mm. stages a little more closely and sometimes I'm like just baffled by just how like petty and, 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 and sort of like 
cruel and unusual they are to each other. But um, and moments of vulnerability are, are are very much innate in all of us. Um, but I remember thinking, I heard that song, and I was like, you know, something. I'm not sure that I don't know what age they will get to the point where they'll understand what I mean when I tell them how I feel about them. Certainly not at this mm-hmm. age and certainly probably not for the next few years here, right? Mm-hmm. But when yeah. will they be able to emotionally understand when I describe the way that they make me feel what that actually means? And maybe mm-hmm. it's not until they're the age I'm at right now and mm-hmm. when they have maybe they have their kids of their own. But yeah. that will be the one thing is that mm-hmm. like when those moments of vulnerability hit or when someone tries to make you feel uh, like you're insignificant or, or any sort of way um, that you know, I feel a certain way about them that I hope them, I hope makes them feel worthwhile and know that, uh, like we're all imperfect. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, maybe I I admit that maybe that song has been more relevant in my mind knowing that I was going to be on the show today and just thinking about Mm -hmm. it. And like, it just has been a message that I think has stuck with me. So thanks to you for uh, articulating it certainly way better than I ever could. Um, and it's something that, uh, one day when all of our kids are doing uh, doing their own version of, uh, I don't know, Kidsville podcast, they can uh, reminisce about this conversation, <laughs> these need, lessons. We need to go ahead right? and trademark that, John. That's yeah, a good idea. I know. I got a feeling your kids are going to be all very talented. So uh, my daughters can, I don't know what they'll be able to bring to the table musically, my <laughs> wife and I. My wife can play the guitar. Uh, oh, there but, you go. Uh, there you I'm okay, tone so deaf. So there. We're, we're halfway there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do feel like, like you said, it probably won't be until they have kids of their own because it's you just can't you can't you just can't pass it on i i've like i've connected with my parents more since i became a parent mm. just uh-huh. because i realized just yep um you were like by the time i was 25 you know it's not like my parents were watching over me and supporting me financially and doing things you know wiping my butt literally as right, right, i am right, right now right but it's like and they're they're far removed from it, and they've you know they they my um my sister is the youngest and she's thirty three, so it's a long we're a long way from where we are right now uh, as parents ourselves. But you're just like man, this is um this job is more than I could ever reasonably ask someone to do for me, and they did yeah. it. Never had any qualms about it. Never asked for anything in return. And yeah. mm-hmm. I hope I'm not realizing it too late, but I'm going to make sure that I do my best to convey to them just how much I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Even today, um, after lunch, I was cleaning up the kitchen and half of the stuff I was cleaning up was stuff the kids did. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know, isn't it so interesting that so much of my life and Lord knows my wife, Annie's life is serving these kids who have zero idea that we're serving them. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, no. and thankfully, thank the Lord. Like we do it because it's like, that's what you do. You love to do. I mean, some days it's annoying, but it, I just thought, isn't it, as I was cleaning, I was like, I'm just cleaning up their messes right now. And I have yeah. no, pro- and I'm just, and I'm like, isn't it? A, and, and they have no clue. And I think to your point, once you start having kids, I'm in that moment going, God, my parents did this for, yes. you know, yep. 18 yeah. years. And I arguably a couple after like that, seven you know? kids. And you're like, geez, like they just, they just keep doing it. And they, they you just serve. You're just always serving. For you're just decades. always, always, yeah. always serving. It's yeah. Crazy. They get, they gotta have, when they have their own kids, they'll realize it. And until then my kids are like, well, yeah, you clean that up. Like the sky's blue, <laughs> your dad, and yeah. grass is green, and you yep. clean up all my messes. Like, yeah, what? correct. That's the water we swim here for. Yeah. Okay. You, you last question. What do you want your girls to say at your funeral? Ooh, wow, that one I hadn't thought about. Um, so I've always, I, first of all, I've always thought when I, I've been to a few funerals that have been 
you know, like packed houses. Hmm. And you're just like, mm-hmm. that right there is kind of like, that tells it all, right? If wow. a lot of people show up for you and maybe it's more likely to happen when you're, when you unfortunately pass at a younger age, you know, as you get mm-hmm. older, obviously many of your friends mm-hmm. maybe have already passed themselves, right? But I think that speaks volumes. Um, and I would say probably more than anything, and it's something that I've learned from my own mom because I think she really embodies the spirit uh, very well, is my mom has an inability, and it's one of the, it's the greatest thing about her, to put herself first. It's, mm. it's, she is physically and literally incapable of doing it. Mm. She is about to turn 70, and she probably could retire if she wanted to, but she still works. She loves, she's a real estate agent. She's vibrant. She's got this energy about it, about herself. And it's like, she can't for a second turn everything else off and just go live her life. And I, I think I've realized as my parents got to a certain age, like I kind of want them to do what they want to do. Like there's only so much time left. I'm not going to, if my mom said I'm going to go buy a boat and go live on the Atlantic Ocean, I'd probably talk her out of it, right? <laughs> but when she says, hey, you know, I'm thinking about going on like, uh, she went to Portugal for a couple of weeks right after Christmas. And she mm. sort of like tossed the idea around, what do you think? And I'm like, mom, that sounds awesome. You should mm, do that. Yeah. Go, don't think twice. Go enjoy it. Have some fun. Go for a month. I don't care. Right? Do your thing, yeah. right? Um, but she will just not live for herself. And she, she's physically capable of doing that. Maybe there'll be a time where she's not as willing. But like, I remember a couple of days after our daughter was born, my mom, who lives about an hour and a half away, away from us, showed up. And we were like, we weren't going to, we didn't have plans to have a bunch of people down, but we also weren't going to close the doors. So people wanted to try to show up. She showed up and she came down and she had full car of groceries and she was like, I'm here for that. I'm here until you tell me to leave. And I was just like, you know something? At the time, we kind of needed a little bit of that support, right? You're overwhelmed. You're wondering, can I do anything? The first night home from the hospital, our daughter did not sleep at all. Mm. And it was me who stayed up with her. My wife was, you know, obviously she'd been through... I mean, that's that's just physical yeah. trauma. That's a physical trauma that I can't even begin to articulate. And I remember that first night, it was the moment where I, I remember telling myself, mm. asking myself, am I cut out for this? And I remember my mom coming down. It was just sort of like it was a little bit of balance for both of us. She came down and she said, I'm just here to do whatever. And it was like, if you want me to leave right now, I'll go. If you want me to stay for a week, I'll stay for a week. And I thought that was uh, sort of emblematic of how she is. So I want my daughters to say at my funeral that I put others first always. And um, I hope that that's a spirit that I embody now, but um, I'd like to continue to do so uh, and probably do it more because I think there's probably always room to do it more. Mm. God, that's beautiful. And, and, and oh, oh, one last thing. I gave good fantasy advice. That will be important. <laughs> of course. Oh, my gosh. Of course. <laughs> that feels like, like a very important oh thing my gosh, that to be remembered for, right? Dude, that's thank great. you so much for your time. And thanks this for was a blast, on. man. This was thanks awesome. On. This was, and I mean, congratulations on girl number two. Yeah, that's right. Thank that's you. Right. Yeah, I... Um, we're, we're screwed, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> 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 